Welcome to Exceptional Education, the education podcast by ANZ UK. Hello and welcome back to the Exceptional Education Early Childhood Edition podcast. My name is Cal and I hope you've had a fantastic couple of weeks. Well, today marks our third episode so far, and we've received some really incredible feedback, especially around what you would like to be hearing throughout this series. Two things that were mentioned quite frequently were around resources and mindfulness. With that in mind, we've tailored this episode to focus on a lot of these areas for you. And as always, please feel free to let us know if there's anything specific you would like to hear. So firstly, I'll be sitting down with one of our Queensland consultants, Mal Halligan, who will be taking us through resources she found useful during her time as an educator. I'll also be lucky enough to interview Nick Russell, who is the owner of South East Yoga and Wellbeing, which is an initiative that looks at the well-being of children through the use of yoga and mindfulness. And finally, Rob and myself got to have a chat with Sarah Bailey, who is the AT member in Focus this week. Sarah is one of our consultants from our teaching division, and she's going to give us a better insight into her background and career path. So let's get on with the show. So today we are joined by Mal Halligan, who is our early childhood consultant in our Queensland office. Uh, Mal's a ex-educator for about eight years, I think. We'll get more into that in a second. Um, but hello, Mal. How are you? Hey, Kale. Thanks for having me. Doing well up here in Queensland. Yeah. Thinking of you guys down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, loving it down there. <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks so much for coming on. I know uh, a lot of the questions I've been getting since sort of the start of this and, you know, something we often get is, you know, what, what resources are, are out there or where can we get more or, or what's the best, you know, stuff to do in classroom. And obviously I thought of you straight away because obviously being an ex, ex-educator um, is, you know, probably a better insight than myself. Um, you know, so we were hoping to get a few tips and tricks out of you. So I guess, so you were an educator for eight years, correct? Yeah, for eight years, I actually fell into it straight out of high school um, and did that for about eight years at a few different services, worked my way up, and then I actually moved into a training assessment side of things. So that was similar to, I guess, what I'm helping you with today, helping educators find out different ways to learn, different ways to engage children, different ways to teach, all those sorts of things before yeah. coming over to ANZ UK, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Best decision you ever made, I imagine. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of resources, where did you mainly look when when you were in, in the classroom? Did you have a main source? Was it multiple places? Yeah, look, I mean, being an educator, you have to be creative because we all know you don't get to buy a ton of resources. Um, budgets are always a big thing around that. So, I guess the biggest thing would definitely be talking with other educators that always helped out because everyone's got different ideas of how to utilize, you know, simplest things like egg cartons. So always chatting with other educators and keeping that communication up. Um, I'm sure a lot of educators already know about this one, but Pinterest, that's, you know, got to be an educator's best friends because you can pretty much type in anything and it will come up. Um, and then, yeah, just being creative with your own resources that you already have, you know, something simple like popping paint on a table with a bit of um, glad wrap over the top of it for them to do sensory play that way, you know, no mess, which is a win and also, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> get to be a bit creative. So keeping that communication with educators, definitely Pinterest was a top one and um, yeah, being creative with my own resources. 
Yeah, amazing. Uh, Pinterest is, is a great one. I know yeah. kind of every teacher <laughs> I've ever spoken to and uh, a family of teachers, they, Pinterest is always number one go-to. Always a go-to. Uh, so, that I mean, a lot of our educators probably know about it, but some who might not. So Pinterest is definitely one of the ways to go. Um, in terms of, you know, while we've been moving to online resources as well a little bit, um, you know, do you have any advice on, on that side of how to deal with that a, a little bit better or...? Yeah, it's definitely a tough one, especially in early childhood, because, you know, a lot of it is play-based learning. I mean, a couple of good ones online is reading eggs. So it's I've heard of great things with this one. It's for literacy and, you know, you've seen great improvements on children's reading through that one. That's a great one as well. But we also have our LMS where there's lots of different learning resources for children, um, our Facebook groups here in Queensland and I'm sure down in Victoria, New South Wales, we share a lot of resources on there as well. Um, but look, while you're on home, it doesn't always have to be online. You don't always have to be getting all these different, you know, things from online. You can just use what you have around the home. That's what children thrive best on. So, for example, you know, do some cooking with the children. You can help measure out different things and that's your math. You can go into the garden and count the rocks or, you know, have a look at the worms and talk about the colours in the in the sky, all these sort of different things. So it's not always about having a look online, but having a look what you got in the home and how you can turn it into a learning opportunity. Yeah, amazing. You, you touch on there the the LMS, so which is the ANZ UK's learning uh, module, um, which I know you've created a lot of them for our uh, our candidates out there to sort of have a, a look through. So for anyone who's not on top of that or knows what we're referring to here, you can reach out to um, your consultant and they'll set you up. So we basically have a few learning modules that you can go through. They're little training courses to sort of keep you fresh um, and give you a few different perspectives and ideas on, on what you can be doing. And, and Mel's a, a big advocate for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, what what other things do we sort of do that you think are, are sort of top notch for our candidates to be using? Well, we've got, of course, the LMS is a great tool. Definitely would 100% recommend that. But also talking with your consultants, as you said about that, because a lot of us are educators ourselves or work very closely with a lot of educators. So we have our own ideas that we can also share. Um, a big thing that we've been utilising in Queensland is our Facebook group. So I know you guys have your own as well, yeah. but with ours, we encourage our educators to share their own resources and ask questions to other educators about what you can do because who knows better than other educators? So jump <laughs> yeah. onto those Facebook groups and, you know, pop any ideas you have in, ask any questions that you might have, and you can get lots of different experiences and ideas that way. And that's a nice, easy way and a good way for you to meet our other educators. So it's a win-win, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, this is probably something people are a bit nervous to do, posting these groups, yeah. but that's what that's what it's there for to, to sort of build that community. And, and exactly what you said, they – you know, sharing in there, it's going to be great. You might have you helping someone else who's panicked or stressed about Definitely. not having something, you know, a strong resource, and you'd rather be getting it from, you know, people that are, are doing it the same as you. So, um, yeah, that, that's yep. a great place to be looking at and being not afraid to post in there or or, or put the question in there, hey, who's got exactly. a good resource on, uh, on out, being outside or, you know, as you said, cooking or anything like that. So, um and yeah definitely go into the consultants as well you know if someone comes to me i might not be able to help them at the (laughs) exact point but i can pass them on to to yourself or or renee or you know one of the other consultants who has a bit more experience in this in this field 
Exactly. And and I can understand that nervousness about posting, asking a question. But if you feel like you don't want to just keep asking for help, a good idea is posting your own resource or game. Be like, hey, this is something I've done with my children. Does anyone have any ideas around this? So you're yep. still giving people help as well while asking for it yourself. Just because I know a few people have said, oh, I don't want to feel like I'm asking too much. Not that anyone minds, but if you're providing something as well, then it's a bit of give and take. Yeah, absolutely. Good trade system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, I mean, thank you so much for coming on and giving me, a, uh, well, giving us a few of those hints and tips. Is there anything else you'd sort of suggest for our candidates out there to be uh, looking to do? Besides the podcast, obviously, that's number one to listen to. <laughs> Always number one. That's going to yeah, be above yeah. Joe Rogan soon, I think. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, look, always just be asking and learning. So when you go out to different centres, you'll see lots of different experiences. Ask the staff, you know, educators are the best about helping other children, uh, other educators out. So definitely utilise just the people as your resource. Have a look at what their programmings are. Talk to the staff. Jump on those groups and, you know, interact with lots of different educators because they all have the best ideas because they're doing it themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Another good one, actually, we probably haven't brought up um, is LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, I see a lot of resources sort of pass through there, and I know people probably get worried it's it's the more professional side of things. But yeah, you know, the more and more I I use it, the more and more resources I see come across that I think, oh, this could be good for someone. And quite often, I'll see you yourself share that that stuff that you think yeah. is going to be relevant, or yeah, you know, I'll do it myself. So uh, LinkedIn's a, a really good place for that stuff. It's not as professional as probably people worry it is. No, I completely agree because I've only recently been on it myself and I see all these things from educators. I'm like, where was this when I was an educator? I wish I knew <laughs> yeah. about this. So yeah. definitely one worth jumping on and having a look at. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Mel, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, me. I'm sure we'll have you back on again at some stage for some more hints and tips. But yeah, really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Thanks, Cal. You have a good day. You too. Have a great one. Bye. Yes, bye. Some brilliant advice there from Mal. Thank you so much for chatting with me again. Uh, of course, as I sort of mentioned, a lot of our consultants here at ANZ UK are ex-educators or related to the industry in some way, shape or form. So if there is something particular you want to know more of, I'm happy to get them on the show um, and we can talk about that in particular. So just feel free to email us across and let us know what it is you're looking to hear a bit more on and we can get that organised. Next, I'm sitting down with Nick Russell. Uh, Nick Russell sort of a industry all-rounder, as I like to call her. Um, she's been in the industry for, for quite a while. She was a, a educator. Uh, she did training and assessing uh, through Chisholm Institute. She now runs her own business that handles yoga and well-being in, in early childhood specifically, um, which we'll get a bit more in detail. So here we go. We'll chat with Nick now. Okay, today we are joined by Nick Russell, who is an industry all-rounder. I suppose, and actually might be better to, well, first of all, welcome to today's podcast, Nick. Thanks for Thank joining you, me. Kale. Thank you, Kale. Thanks for having okay. me. No worries. It might it might be best for you to sort of give us a bit of an insight of your your quite long history in early childhood and, and others. Okay, great. Um, so I don't want to make it too long. I'll make it short and sweet. <laughs> but basically, I, I've been in early childhood for about 30 years. And back in the day when the, it was the Associate Diploma of Childcare Studies, 
um, at Parantafe, which was an awesome experience. Two years it was back then to do the diploma. And so um, I did that for a long time and headed off overseas, did a bit of nannying like you do. And then when I came back, I worked back into the early childhood services. And then from there, um, moved on to teach at Chisholm TAFE in the early childhood sector there, did a lot of placement coordination and then sort of moved across from the early childhood department across the uh, car park to <laughs> the uh, yeah, to the tech and um, I've been at the tech for, I don't even know, maybe five, six years now um, with the VCAL students, so working with young people, which I really love. So the first couple of years with with early childhood and then moved into just the general VCAL core units. So that's been great. So I've gone from the little kids to the big kids. The big so, kids, yeah. Yeah, and I, I love them both equally. So it's it's been really great to see both ends. So that's sort of my early childhood background, yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. Then, and then there's the yoga background. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this is this is something great and it's one of the reasons you sort of reached out to us. I mean, can you tell us a bit more about how the yoga plays into it, into what you've been up to? Yeah, sure. So basically I was just dabbling in it 20 years ago myself. You just head off to a yoga class for whatever reason. Um, I think I just wanted to get more stretchy. I don't even know why I went initially. <laughs> I just went along. It was sort of like a thing to do. I, I sort of was a bit of a wannabe hippie back in my 20s, travelled right. the world a lot and all that. Um, unfortunately though, I wish I'd known about yoga earlier because I would have done it, you know, I would have gone to India or something right? really yeah. cool like that. Eat, pray, love journey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, um, instead I ended up in a gorgeous little, um, person's home up in Maryknoll and learnt how to do yoga out there and, uh, was really quite hooked, but then I had kids and life got in the way and I didn't, I wasn't really connecting to yoga on that real level of what the essence of yoga was about. And that essence of yoga is, um, you know, the word yoga actually means union. So it's about, you know, connecting, uniting, you know, yourself, um, and then that moves outwardly. And I hadn't really got into that when I was doing that. So when I had the kids, my kids, I um, stopped for about 10 years. And it wasn't until I had an Achilles tendon injury through playing netball that I um, thought, oh, I'll go back to yoga because this tendon injury. Yeah. And then that was it. That was the moment when I was really hooked. So that was probably about 10 years ago. And so um, I got really into it myself and I just started noticing a difference in, you know, the way I think, the way obviously physically, um, you know, more stronger and flexible and felt better. But mentally it was a really massive mental change. Um, and then one day my yoga teacher just said, you should do some kids yoga. And I was like, well, like, what is that? Didn't even I hadn't even heard of it. And people were doing it, but I hadn't yeah. heard of it. Um, so I sort of laughed at it. And then I went off and did a, a rainbow kids yoga training. And that was amazing. That was three days of absolute fun. And um, I thought, wow, this, this is really cool. And then I took it back, took those skills back into um, – the early childhood VCAL students, so okay. the group of like 16-year-old girls basically, 17-year-old girls, and I was just playing yoga with them and showing them how we could use it with children. And the difference that I saw in those girls was extraordinary. And I was hearing messages from the teacher like that there were girls not turning up to class but they were coming to my one-hour yoga session a week. 
Right. Yeah, and, you know, there was other more personal stories, which I won't go into here, but it was just that was that moment when I went, oh, my God, there's really something in this yoga. Yeah. Not only for adults but for young people. And so that was the defining moment. Um, and then I went off and did my level one teacher training because I just felt that I wanted to professionalise because kids' yoga is just a three-day training. Right. And it's a certificate. There's no – it's not a, like a formal qualification, whereas the teacher training is. So I just thought, well, with that teacher training, it professionalises it. And then, um, you know, somebody mentioned creating a business and I laughed at that. I'm like, <laughs> me? Create a business? I don't think yeah. so. <laughs> and now four years on, you know, my business, Southeast Yoga, has evolved and I, I did create the business and wow. now, you know, over the last four years I've been wanting to share that and try to get the message out that yoga is actually – one of the easiest things for early childhood to learn and why aren't we doing this in early childhood particularly because that's where it all starts, you know, that's before they get to school, you know. Right. So that was sort of that journey to, I suppose, now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I'm keen to hear more about Southeast Yoga and, and how that's all come about. But, I mean, while we're on the subject, what's the role that yoga plays into the well-being of you know early childhood children or um, the parents that see the feedback and, and the teachers as well. Yeah, so I think with early childhood particularly, there's different levels of yoga. There's early childhood yoga, and then there's the children, older children's and young people's yoga, and then there's adult yoga. And this, it's almost like looking at three different sections. It's completely different. So the yoga that you're thinking of that adults are doing is nothing like the yoga that early childhood does and if in primary schools and secondary schools you need to have a qualified teacher a yoga teacher to take those um, that age group because they're more prone to injury you're more in line with that true essence of what yoga is initially but in early childhood it's basically play-based and what you're doing is you're using the concept of yoga which is mind body breath and the uniting and the union and the connection. And you're bringing that together into, um, you know, a modality that children can relate to. So it's all games and playing and stopping and starting and breathing. And the, the biggest difference that it does is compared to dance or something like that is it actually really connects with the breath. And there's, you know, a lot of people may or may not know that the breath actually can um, activate certain parts of your physiological body, your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system, which are the sort of the uh, systems that will regulate, you know, how you're feeling, you know, with anxiety and stress and so forth. So, you know, using your breath is what yoga is all about and the stopping and the starting so if we are in the middle of, um, just imagine we have a game in, in children, early childhood called, you know, the old game Simon Says. Yeah. So we have this game and it's called Yogi Says. And basically you just, you know, Yogi Says do a tree pose. So, you know, the kids copy you do a tree pose and then, you know, Yogi doesn't say and so forth. So you're sort of going back and forth with this game and the children are learning all those skills, but the yoga is developing their body strength-wise. And then you can even say, Yogi says, take a nice big deep breath. 
and you might open up your arms and breathe up and then bring your arms down again, you know. So you're using the breath to constantly sort of interweave in what you do. And then, of course, there's the relaxation and the meditation, which no other modality does incorporate it into yoga. You can do that separately. You can say, okay, we're going to do a relaxation. But it's just creating a whole, um, you know, uh, situation of having all the different elements of yoga embedded into um, either a one session, like a uh, structured session, like a group time, or whether you embed little bits throughout the day. So it's sort of like this whole thing of breath and body awareness that really nothing else does. So obviously the benefit of that to children is that they learn to connect to their bodies. And then the benefits to that to the teachers and the educators is they have calmer classrooms because you're giving children tools to learn to stop, slow down, focus, concentrate, breathe, you know, and all that stuff. And then, of course, that filters out to the parents as well. Yeah. No, absolutely. How how easy is it then to implement a a program like this or, Mm. you know, a a meditation session, a yoga session into, you know, their classrooms, the the services at home lifestyle, I guess, as well? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question because I think uh, in, I have a little uh, private Facebook group and one of the biggest things I had in my group last year, what was the biggest thing that's stopping you, you know, and the biggest thing was basically confidence. So as early childhood educators, we are actually trained to dance, sing, jump jump around like clowns you know <laughs> play musical instruments even though we're not and we're not musicians we're not dancers we're not singers we right. just get out there and do that right so with um yoga it's because you don't understand the concept of that mind body breath connection and you just don't know the yoga poses that's it so the rest all the rest is play based Okay, so it's actually really, really easy. And so the biggest tip that I give all my um, people in my group or anyone who wants to listen to me is just get yourself a deck of yoga cards and they have all the poses there suitable for children, like um, the pretzel, the pretzel yoga cards. There's a few different brands, but they're one of my favorites. Um, And then you've got your yoga poses right there in front of you. And then the rest, you're just developing. I mean, there is a knack to it, which is why I have my Facebook group is hopefully inspire some people to, you know, get creative. But I've just gave an example before with Simon Says, Yogi Says. And there's even another yoga game based on what's a time, Mr. Wolf, you know, and it's called One, Two, Three Yoga Tree. So, you know, there's adaptations and it's just knowing that that's all it is. So anyone who can physically move can do yoga. So you just got to know what it is. You don't, it's not that you can't do it. It's just that you don't know it yet. And that's all it comes down to. Um, Yeah, no, that's, it's, it's a great point. Um, I can imagine a lot of people being out there and imagining the poses being too in depth and worrying about hurting a child or anything like that. But Mm -hmm. you saying, yeah, there are simple alternatives and, easy introductions is you know, a great idea and um, which leads into, you know, you've spoken about it a few times already, uh, your Facebook group and um, the website and the program you have, which is called Southeast Yoga and Wellbeing. 
Uh, can you tell us a, a bit more about that and how that got started and, and the outcomes of that? Yeah, sure. So I started the Southeast Yoga and Wellbeing um, business, I suppose, and created a website and then created a Facebook page. And so the idea with Southeast Yoga and Wellbeing is that I am there to uh, support educators in learning about you know, yoga and meditation. And I do still, well, I don't at the moment because we're in lockdown, but yeah. I I have been going out to um, mainly kindergartens is my sort of main area of um, connection, I suppose, Uh, kindergartens and working with the educators there to implement yoga programs. And they do that through the school readiness funding. And what happens is then I am also mentoring them while I'm running a session with the children. So we'll have often one educator sitting in the corner writing notes and, you know, observing what's going on while the other, other educators actually join in the sessions so that they get to feel it. And then we have a debrief at the end and I send them through notes and a basic rundown of what we did so it, they remember, you know, what to do. So my whole philosophy is not tokenism. I just think one yoga session is pretty, you know, it's fun to experience and it's great. Yeah, but unless you're actually um, doing um you know, it being implemented as a regular thing and it's embedded, that's where you're going to see the real um, change because, you know, I have this big vision and it's just basically to see every child develop the ability to use their yoga superpowers to find inner peace and radiate happiness for optimal well-being. So a bit of a mouthful, but that's what I see. I just see that <laughs> that whole connection, you know, they just um, can get that embedded into their program then you're doing, you know, daily yoga sessions, you're bedding the practices throughout the day, you know, doing your meditation daily, you're, you're going to see a difference and you're going to see that difference very soon. Yeah. The, the way children respond to yoga absolutely floors me when it's done with engagement. And, you know, um, when I was taught at Rainbow Kids, the one thing that, um, you know, the teacher said was to, be louder than the children, be more creative than the children, be more fun than the children, and you have got them eating out of your hands. Yeah. So that's sort of, you know, basically that's what I do. I try and inspire educators to um, take on board yoga and meditation in their services for that vision. And um, the Facebook group is a side product of that, and it's got some tips and tricks in there and some engagement, and I've just now moved into more adult-based um, support as well. Like, let's look at your well-being as well. Yeah, so it's right. mainly for educators, yoga teachers, and parents who are interested. So it's those three groups of um, group. people. Hmm. <laughs> After this year, and we've the key word, I guess, besides yoga, probably has been uh, well-being. Mm. How important is well-being going to come into play? Well, currently with what we're going through in, in 2020 and beyond, how important is it going to be in the next six months of looking after that well-being of yourself and the children? Yeah, obviously it's extremely important because it's a completely different time now. You know, a lot of children um, and adults are stuck inside, um, especially if you're in the, you know, Melbourne, Victoria area and who knows what's going to happen moving forward in that. So. I think um, once you understand that connection with your physiological body, your mind, um, you can really work with yourself to empower yourself to feel better mentally and physically. 
I mean, even personally, um, a couple of weeks ago, I actually went into a real slump. Like I was just yeah. like, I think it was the second week of lockdown. I thought, oh, I don't think I can do this for another four weeks. Yeah. Second time around, it's been five months. I don't know if I can do this. And so I was able to draw on everything that I knew. Um, I made a real conscious effort to meditate regularly. I made a real conscious effort to get on my yoga mat and, um, you know, just move the body and to rest the mind. And I moved through that within the week. Now, you know, that's pretty powerful that you can get yourself through those things. So I think it's really important um, because we're going to be facing a lot of, as adults, we'll be facing a lot of, you know, stress for all different reasons and learning to be in the present moment. Like what can you do about something right in this very second? You have the power of the second. You don't have the power of the future or the power of the past, but you have the power of this present moment. And that's what's beautiful about having that understanding of yoga, what yoga does and, you know, what meditation does. And so, yeah, and if we can give that to children, then they're going to move into primary school next year or the year after with a lot more tools to give them those superpowers, you know. Children deserve that right. And we're their teachers. We're their role models. So we need to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely something I imagine most of us have felt this year at some stage, that it's it's all too much. Um, I know myself, I've implemented even a, a five-minute meditation. I'm terrible at yoga. I'm terrible at stretching. I, <laughs> I wish I had learned as a kid. I can't even touch my own feet. But, um, you know, it, it, that, even that five minutes to reflect on something we talk about a lot at ANZ UK is gratefulness. Um, taking the time out to reflect on that, is it, it just changes your outlook, I guess, a lot of the time. So, um, you know, it's, it is really important. So I completely get where you're coming from. So what do you have any sort of what have been the biggest success stories, I guess, that you've come across or you've heard from the back of what you're doing? Um, So I think just a lot of I think the success is that um, seeing the look on or hearing having discussions with educators um, when they have done some yoga with their children in the services um, or they're making this massive effort to try and learn about it and embed it. And it's just seeing the look on their faces when, you know, you, they can see 20 children laying quietly on the floor. And, the, you know, even those children that are really finding it hard to sit still or, in this case, lay still, they're able to, you know, look at that and they just, it's that whole shaking of the head thing, like, oh, how, how does that happen? Yeah. And, the thing is, it's because children actually want to do this. They want to be still. They want to be calm and they want to be peaceful. But we just don't, you know, always understand, you know, what other ways we can do that. And, you know, playing with um, the Lego in the corner is fantastic because that can be really mindful and it zones children out. Um, but to give them an, an actual um, tool that moves their body and then connects them to the understanding of what it feels like there's a lot of you know connection with you know playing with lego and everything but to understand the mind and and you to teach them what that mind body connection is is um giving them a tool that they can tap into anytime it's not like they can go and get their lego blocks and go and sit in a corner when they're 
you know, having a moment in the car or, you know, they're at school. So if you can give them um, tools that they've got within themselves that they've got access to, then, you know, that is really empowering to them that they know that they can just sit there and, and close their eyes for a moment or take a breath or, um, you know, be able to articulate how they're feeling or something like that. So um, it's quite powerful. So I suppose, you know, the, the biggest wins are seeing the educators understand what yoga can do when they actually see the children engaging in it. Now, I can have 20 children screaming and laughing and yahooing in a room and then within a second bring them down to complete stillness. Now, that's quite extraordinary. That's like I always say it's like um, having magic powers. Yeah. As an educator, I always think, why wouldn't you want to learn this stuff? You know, and I know know it's understanding and learning it. I get that. But it's like, Look, look at how easy it can be and a lot of it comes down to that confidence in wanting to step outside your comfort zone and just learn something different, you know. So, yeah. Well, I reckon you've got a lot of teachers interested just then by hearing you can <laughs> get a bit of quiet every now and again, so I'm sure you'll hear a bit more <laughs> of that coming, coming weeks. Um, so what's been one of the biggest lessons you've learned, obviously, starting this journey and, you know, putting two careers together I guess or you know something you might have thought as a hobby and and your career and putting them together and and creating something out of that what's been the biggest thing you've taken away over that time I think um you know I have really started to uh I suppose tap into my vision more I always had this vision that you know but I've sort of really sort of um tapped into that vision a little bit more and that has been a little bit of a game changer for me now. It's because um, I'm acknowledging it in everything that I do. What is the purpose of this? Why am I doing this? You know, like to get that message out, to make differences across the board, not in, only in the children but the educators and, you know, potentially the home life as well, but to just empower educators to be able to do that. So the biggest lesson is to, um, I suppose I've learned, is to believe in myself a little bit more that this is definitely something um, that people need and they want. Um, it's just getting that message out there. So perseverance has been good. I've been, you know, at it for four years now and, you know, just really chipping away, slowly, slowly chipping away, which has suited me fine, but, yeah. you know, um, COVID's given me the opportunity to step up a little bit and, uh, yeah, so it's just perseverance and uh, staying true to the vision the whole time and hopefully keep moving forward and really uh, sharing this modality with a lot more people, yeah. Yeah, amazing. So if people were wanting to get a, a bit more information, uh, hints, tips, tricks, stuff like that, they can go to your Facebook group, which is mm-hmm. Southeast Yoga and Wellbeing. They can search that in. So that's the Facebook page is Southeast Yoga page. and Wellbeing. Yep. yep. And then the group is um, Peace Warriors. Peace Warriors. A, yep, a children's and carers yoga hub. So you can oh. search that. But if you go to Southeast Yoga business page, there is a little button that says visit group. Perfect. Um, and I do have some questions just to 
into the group because I want to make sure that the right people are coming into the group and that is being an educator or a child uh, children's yoga teacher or even a parent who are interested in yoga so yeah yeah absolutely or they can go to the website south which is southeastyoga.com.au yeah and get a bit more information and I believe there there are links potentially there to the Facebook as well I think I saw yeah there's probably yeah. yeah I think there is yeah Perfect. So is there anything else you, you wanted to say to, to the people out there, I guess, in, in early childhood? And obviously, you know, we've given them links to follow up with, but anything final you wanted to add for, for them out there? Yeah, I think just basically to give it a go and not be, you know, you step into your confidence with it because, you know, we're used to dancing around like, you know, crazy little people that <laughs> yeah. we, we are. So just give this a go and have a lot of fun with it. If you're too serious with it, it's not going to work. You've got to have some fun with it in early childhood and it's a really great way to connect with the children and um, just watch the magic unfold as you do it regularly and that's the key too is to do it regularly and consistently. So, you know, just give it a go and step into your confidence with it and notice what happens. Amazing. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure to to get to know you a bit more and hear the amazing things you're doing across early childhood. Um, hope to hear from you again sometime down the track to catch up, see how you're going. But again, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Kale. I've really enjoyed our chat and just spreading the yoga love out there. So thanks Absolutely. very much. So Nick's details will be available through our Facebook and I will post them on LinkedIn as well. So if you wanted to get in touch and find out a bit more information about uh, Southeast Yoga and Wellbeing, um, you'll be able to access that information. Um, it was fantastic to chat a bit more about to that side of things and focus on the well-being, um, which we'll definitely look into a lot more down the track as well. Next, I sit down with Sarah Bailey, who is one of our education consultants in the teaching division. She tells us a bit more about her journey and how she got into the career. So on today's A-Team member in focus, we have Kale Taylor joining us. Hello, Kale. Hello, Robert. How are we? Yes, very well, thanks. And yourself? Very good, thank you. Good, good. And we're going to be chatting with Sarah Bailey, who joins us from the North team in Melbourne. Hello, Sarah. How are you doing today? Hi, Rob. Good, thanks. How are you? Yes, tickety-boo. All going well here. Thank you. So first of all, Sarah, for those who don't know anything about you, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up and how did you, I suppose, find yourself over here in Melbourne? So I grew up in Wellington in New Zealand, so just across the ditch. And I had, yeah, great fun childhood, um, large extended family. So um, youngest of four, which um, is interesting. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, so we had yeah, a great, great fun childhood. Um, studied, studied down south in, um, in Dunedin and then traveled overseas. And I visited Melbourne when I was a bit younger and always really liked it. Thought it was a really cool, fun city. And um, yeah, made the move about four years ago now, which is um, yeah, just uh, just past four years. And about two years ago, I was working in events and marketing and decided I wanted a bit of a change um, and had always thought about working in education or in consultancy, consulting. And I was actually on Instagram looking for education companies and I came across 
ANZ UK on Instagram. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, I was at the pub, the Great Northern in, um, in Melbourne, and I met Alice, um, who is the our marketing manager at ANZ UK. So I met Alice through um, my boyfriend. Alice's boyfriend and my boyfriend used to work together. And we met, and it was kind of a stroke of luck or fate or coincidence or whatever you want to call it, um, that we met. And she um yeah told me a little bit about ANZ UK we met for coffee and yeah she just told me all about it and I was sound, I was really interested in the culture interested in education and then um got to meet um yeah the rest of the team and yeah that was about two years ago now oh, amazing. amazing I think um yeah I've been to the Great Northern Pub a few times but certainly haven't had a success story like that um, <laughs> well, <laughs> funny, a little, hours there. funny little tidbit for you Alice was the first person I met from ANZ UK. Ah. Yep. There you go. There you How go. How did you meet her, Kale? <coughs> what was that? Sorry, mate. How did you meet her, Kale? Well, she was the first person I met through the door. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so not the same, but similar. Um, so without having a teaching background then, how have you overcome sort of the challenges facing a new market, heading into recruitment, which is, mm-hmm. you know, very different to what you've done. It is very different. It's a very different industry. Education and recruitment was were two things that I had never um, come across really before in, in a working sense. I did have a lot of the skills um, required for my current role um, from my previous jobs. So working with clients, working with um, customers, which is now, I guess, educators, um, and then, I guess, the organisation admin using software systems. Um, those three main functions of the role, um, as I see it, I took from my previous job. So, essentially, I had to learn, um, I guess, more sort of recruitment-focused strategies, a lot about the education system. I also being, having not done my um, my own education in Australia, that was a new new things for me. So learning that knowledge, learning the terminology, um, that was quite a big challenge. And I think the first two weeks were, um, yeah, an absolute shock to the system about everything I did and didn't know. But um, it was, yeah, really great to be a part of such a great team. Everyone was really supportive. And I think I was, yeah, really grateful to be given given a shot, not having had a teaching background. However, I think, as I mentioned, those three key skills or key comp- key um, areas of where I had experience really um, helped me believe that I could do the job um, and really give it my best shot having had experience in those different areas. Um, so I think there was a challenge not having the industry experience, but having the the client management experience, customer service, those things really um, were a great foundation for me to then gain that knowledge and education and go from there. Absolutely. It's it's really interesting. I think <clears throat> that fact that I mean I work in education myself. Previously, it's almost like the only thing I feel I would be able to recruit in would be education. But you've you and Kale both have proven that that's not the case at all. You can work in in, in any industry. I think as long as you've got the skills about the recruitment side of things, it doesn't sort of matter what it, what um, industry you work in because you can learn the basics around that. It may, you may not be a specialist in it, and it's I do believe it does help, but 
overcoming that challenge would be a massive thing. And now you probably know just about as much about education in schools in Victoria as I do. You've just got to be, be prepared to play that long game, I guess, and go, okay, well, I won't know everything straight away, but you've just got to be comfortable with asking those questions. Um, you mentioned then, I suppose, around a, a few of those things that you picked up in your previous role that did help you with this role. But is there anything you've taken from your marketing background that you've been able to utilize in this job as a recruiter that's been able to, you to I suppose, attract new educators or or bring them to uh, to work with ANZ UK? Yeah, definitely. I think having had experience in a few different industries doing marketing. So I originally, I actually worked in a juicery in Amsterdam and I started the social media with them. Um, I did a marketing diploma at uni um, and have done a few other sort of, um, dabbled in a few other areas of marketing. Um, That has really helped, I guess, I've been exposed to a lot of different platforms. So all of your social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, um, a little bit of Twitter, weirdly. Um, don't know how, how relevant that is now, but having, um, you know, over the years, um, dabbling in a few different areas has been really helpful to see, I guess, which platforms different markets respond to. So um, I, Facebook is still very relevant and very um, useful for our educators to have that community. LinkedIn, I would potentially use more for clients. A lot of schools are now on LinkedIn, um, which is really great. And you can gather a lot of information as well from those different platforms. Um, So that's been really helpful. And having, I guess, that consistent approach and being, I guess, tasked with being a marketing assistant or marketing manager for a few different um, companies um, small, very small scale has really just helped me develop, um, yeah, some different experience through all, yeah, all the different types of marketing, whether it is social media or speaking to clients directly, the language used, the, um, yeah, language used, the different platforms, the, um, yeah, different avenues you can go down as well. I've done, um, been, you know, done some advertising in newsletters and just thinking about your demographic as well. Yeah. I think that is really key. Amazing. Yeah. When I heard juicery, I was excited we might get some smoothies in the office, but uh, marketing side of the juicery, okay. No <laughs> I did also, I was I was actually doing this, making the smoothies as well, so. Okay, perfect. Yeah, bit of a fun fact for you. So what's you. your excuse then, Sarah? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no excuse. I'll definitely, when, when we get back to the office, I'll be right on the smoothie machine, don't oh, you worry. God, looking, looking forward to it. All right, so what what advice would you give to, I guess, any recruiters looking or people looking to get into recruitment or current recruiters who might be struggling in their positions or anything like that moving forward? I think the key thing that I like to focus on and always come back to is the relationships. So your relationships with your clients and candidates is so important and building those relationships um, that are, you know, genuine, um, you are lucky enough to be working with these people. So you need to make them your priority, being open and honest and consultative with your clients, being caring, genuine, and listening to your candidates, finding out about their family, finding out about, the, about their quirks and being involved in the candidate's journey because they are what your business is about. Um, I think that is probably the key point that I've learned over the last couple of years is that 
a really important relationship, candidates especially, um, being really caring as we are in this current climate. Um, that's what's going to have a lasting impact as well, whether they're with you now, whether they are with you now and leave and come back later on. It's that relationship, it's that connection, it's that care. Um, and be, yeah, be creative as well. Send texts, send emails, try different marketing as we've talked about. Don't be afraid to make mistakes because you'll learn from it and you'll, you know, can do better next time. But yeah, that relationship, I think clients and candidates would be my, my biggest piece of advice. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it seems a bit more like it's not what you want them for them, it's what they want. And once you find out what they want, whether that's a client or a, or a candidate, that's when you're actually probably able to support them better and you're going to have that more genuine relationship. And uh, I suppose looking at the uh, the values of ANZ UK, which, which one would you feel that you align with most? Which one means the most to you? Most recently, I've aligned a lot with belief. We've been working on this a lot in our team um, around belief in yourself, belief in each other, and it's intertwined with all of the other values as they all are. Um, however, I think if you have a foundation of believing not only in yourself, believing in the purpose of um, what you're doing, believing in your own purpose and the people around you, then you can do a, you can do a lot um, in regards to your goals and growth and having that positive attitude um, and believing that things are, um, you know, things can be accomplished, things will get better, um, and believing in yourself to to grow and challenge yourself, um, I think is can really set you in a good good stead. And having that mindset um, can really help you in achieving your goals. Amazing, yeah, definitely one of my favourite values, Rob. Yeah, I think without it's one I've been thinking about a little bit more recently. I think without belief, you tend to put up barriers without realizing it by sort of thinking oh that's too hard I can't achieve that or we're never going to get there or it's too difficult and I think as soon as you have and I suppose it ties in a lot with attitude another one of the values but I, I really do believe I guess that that the whole point of it is by just backing yourself and maybe you might not achieve everything you set out to to get to but what you do achieve on that way is massive. I mean, I, yeah, I can't even absolutely. give you the exact stories here, but I'm certain <laughs> some scientists in the quest to create something have learned some. I know when I, I read this yeah. maths book called Fermi's Last Theorem, and um, they were off, all trying to solve this one maths problem. But basically the maths they did to try and solve that problem was a whole new branch of mathematics that if they hadn't been trying to solve that one problem, they wouldn't have never got to. So I suppose even if you don't reach the end point, all the stuff on the way it's still worthwhile anyway it's about the journey not the destination absolutely oh, perfect look at that right so just the pen as the penultimate question i guess um what what, what is your favorite part of working with for ANZ UK with ANZ UK rather my favorite part of working with ANZ UK it would be the team and team culture um, they, they are intertwined, but I think there is a real team culture from not only the immediate team, to, but to the wider division, schools division or EC division, um, but to the whole broader company. Everyone is there to help you and get around you when you succeed and also to be there when you need some extra support. Um, and there's always people to learn from. I feel that I could reach out to anyone in the business and they'd give me the time of day, help me out um, and support me in whatever whatever 
area I needed support in. So I think that team culture, um, you see it in the office as soon as you walk in the door in any of the offices. Um, and you can also feel it still while working from home right now in our weekly national meetings <laughs> or whenever you speak to anyone. Um, I think that's probably the biggest um, biggest takeaway or biggest, um, yeah, the, the, my favourite part, I guess, about working um, at ANZ UK and that everyone is um, aligns with the values as well. So you always feel that people believe in you. A lot of people have great attitudes and positive attitudes that um, contribute to your own attitude and contribute to the culture. Um, so I think, yeah, the team definitely um, and the culture that underpins it all. Absolutely. Great. Yeah, I've certainly felt that. I think it was something that I noticed on the on the, my first day, and I know. I mean, I work with Kale in the Melbourne office when we're in the Melbourne office now. But I used to often when I'd go home, I'd go and work in the London office for a bit, and there it very much felt the exact same place. Exact to me. Same. You know, I did. I did have my best mate working there at the time as well, but it was just the same sort of a just the same vibe exactly. I don't know what you feel, Kale, going from London to Melbourne. If that was a similar vibe or feeling for you. Yeah, it was, in terms of feeling, it was the exact same. Obviously, Melbourne's a, a lot bigger in terms of numbers. Um, but, yeah, what a welcoming it was when I first arrived. It was amazing. Yeah, good. Excellent. All right, well, we're going to finish up now, Sarah. So thank you so much for your time today. But we all know that Daniel, the CEO, is a big fan of his dad jokes. <laughs> so we're really keen to hear what your favourite dad joke is so hopefully you can make the listeners have a nice giggle so what have you got for us Sarah so my dad I had to come up with um a couple to just just test it out but um (laughs) my dad joke is um I think this one's already been done anyway I'll say it because I did really like it and every time I hear it it's a bit of a giggle (laughs) what's the best thing about Switzerland What's the best thing about Switzerland? Don't know. No idea. I don't. I don't know either. But the flag is a big plus. <laughs> very good. Excellent. Very nice. Yes, that's very good. Well, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. It's been an absolute Thanks pleasure. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you so much, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks, Learning guys. about your uh, your background and how you ended up with ANZ UK. So thanks very much, and we look forward to con- seeing what you continue to do with ANZ UK. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. And that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me. And of course, thank you to my guests, Nick, Sarah, and Mel for taking the time out to chat with me. As always, if you have any feedback for the show or if there is anything specific you'd like to hear about, then please email us at au at anzuk.education. I look forward to seeing you next time.